This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead podcast number 284, recorded Monday, October the 3rd, 2016. October, October. Oh my God. Where is the year gone, man? Like what happened to September? It just started. It's time just keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. (laughs) So I hear it (laughs) seems to be slipping faster every day though. Yeah. I cannot believe it is almost October. Next weekend is Canadian Thanksgiving. Then it's Halloween. Then it's Christmas. Then it's 2017. And then I'm 42. And then uh, I might as well be dead. As it's known in Canada, Thanksgiving. Uh, true. Not just Canadian Thanksgiving, just I Thanksgiving. I understand, but I just want to make sure our listeners are not confused and they don't think that, you know, we think that American Thanksgiving is coming up soon because it's not. No, not for a while. Anywho, um, tonight or last night was the season finale of Fear the Walking Dead, and uh, we are here to talk about that season two finale, of course. I hope I don't come across as lethargic this evening. I'm feeling really tired and I just sort of want to go to bed, but we got to do a podcast, man. Yeah, you know, step up here, good man. Just uh, get the shit out of your belfry and uh, get going. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> you get you got some bats in your belfry. Okay, well, I'll <laughs> shake them out. Shake them out. Shake the shit from your knees. Clear my head. Oh, I got a lot of shit in my knees. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's not waste too much time here off the top and we'll get right into it. We always do, of course, take a quick look back at last week on Fear the Walking Dead before we jump into this latest episode. And of course, the ratings is something we talk about and we're going to do that until the end of time. So the ratings for season two, episode 13, pretty much held steady, Mr. Miles, at 3.49 million viewers. That's good. It's not bad. It's down a little bit from the one before, which had 3.62. Um, but it's nowhere near the the bottom that we hit a few episodes before that. So 3.49 seems to be about the leveling off point for this show. I think the uh, uh, the season finale here will probably get a little bit better than that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it cracked 4 uh, million, but we'll have to wait until next week to find out. Right. Season finales usually do. All right. A couple of emails here uh, just about last week before we jump into this week's big double-sized episode. Um, But Ben in London, UK wrote, the conversation between Travis and Madison in the hotel room was, I thought, really well acted. I agree that Travis saying I had no choice was not like a real conversation, but was clearly put in to mislead the viewer into thinking Travis had killed his son. Bit of a cheap trick. Despite it being irritating, I'm definitely joining the challenge of using I had no choice when my boss next speaks to me. (laughs) Did you try that, Christopher? No, I did not. Uh, But I haven't seen my boss all that much um, in the last week or so. Uh, I was off work today and last week I was in and out. So um, I haven't had a chance to try it yet, but I wonder if Ben has. Yeah. Well, you know, you're going to have better luck with it than I am. I am because I haven't actually met my boss in person <laughs> that's that's bizarre how long has this person <laughs> been your boss uh oh my god it's probably going on nine or ten months now and never met the person not in person i've talked to him on the phone 
you should probably get together for lunch or something. Well, my old boss, uh, he uh, he left the company, and this guy became my boss and yep. introduced himself over the phone. And then I've been embedded with a client since then, so I really haven't interacted with my actual company for <laughs> such a long time. You said being embedded with a client. I thought you said I've been in bed since then. <laughs> I, well, pretty much. It's not too far <laughs> off, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if anyone tries the whole I had no choice and walk away at work, let us know how that goes. should be funny. Yeah. Actually record it. That'd be great even more so. Even more great so. Uh, Adam in Texas writes, While I thought it was a snoozer, he's referring about last week's episode, and a bit too, quote, acty, unquote, I was kind of moved at how heartbreaking it must have been for Travis losing Chris. As a father of two little boys, I know it would crush me to have either of my kids betray me in such a manner and go off into the wild in such a fashion, knowing I would likely never see them again. Horror movies and TV sort of change for you when you become a parent, and the dismissive notion Travis should drop Chris because he's crazy doesn't hold water, as any mum or dad will do everything they can, including dying, to make sure their kids are safe. Jason, you're a new parent. How do you feel about that notion? <laughs> uh, I would, I've only known Jasper for about six weeks now, and uh, I would carpet bomb, bomb Seattle to protect him. What, what do you have against Seattle? I have nothing against Seattle, but uh, I would also carpet bomb Ottawa in order to protect him. It doesn't matter. If I had uh, if I had access to a bomber and it would do any good, I would do it. See? And I think that's what Adam is saying. Parents will do what they got to do to protect their children. And this show is kind of all about that in a way, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, stay with me here. No, I was just thinking about uh, whether I've ever been to Seattle because I actually been to Ottawa and I don't much like it, but I've never been to Seattle. So I was just wondering if I had anything against Ottawa and I kind of do, but I don't have anything <laughs> against Seattle. Well, Ottawa is the capital of our fine nation here, sir. So uh, maybe that's what you have against it. No, it has nothing to do with uh, the, the theory or the uh, the essence of Ottawa. It's actually the city itself. I'm not a big fan of Ottawa. It's the weather. It's the weather, isn't it? It's damn I, cold no, in the winter. No, just, I think it's the layout. <laughs> you know, streets in a grid pattern. I just can't handle it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Must be the Ottawa Senators. That's what I have against that city. Yeah. They're a hockey team, everyone. Anyways. Uh, okay. That's it. That's just a quick look back at last week, uh, on fear the walking dead, because we've got a big double size two hour season finale to talk about here. So, uh, last night AMC aired episode 14, which was called wrath and episode 15, which was called North. Um, we don't have our title read this week, so, uh, it's, that's unfortunate, but, uh, that's okay. Wrath and North. And they they basically ran them together. I was able to watch it live last night, and uh, it was kind of fun. When the first episode was ending, what they did is they brought sort of half-screen credits up and then ran right into the next episode. So they didn't really put a break in between the episodes, which was kind of cool. Uh, I take it you didn't watch it live? I did not watch it live. Yeah, okay. So, so I kind of had to do the countdown in my head. Yeah, okay. Here we go. Part two. <laughs> Part two. In three, two, go. There you go. Uh, I did watch them both a second time, though, today from, uh, you know, from iTunes. And so um, 
it, uh, it, it didn't quite feel the same when one stopped and the next one ended, but it did, you know, at least give a more clear point of where the episodes switched over. Um, but anyways, um, so we had two hours worth of Fear the Walking Dead last night, season finale, and I think overall it was a pretty good season finale. And the thing I wanted to ask you first, Jason, is are you glad that they decided to bulk these episodes two together on, on one night in terms of the story, uh, not, you know, like time commitment, you know, extra time podcasting, all that stuff aside, but in terms of the story, was it a good idea for them to do this or do you think it had no difference at all? They could have waited a week for the second half. They totally could have waited a week. You think so? I don't think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have, uh, episodes back to back. Like I started the season this, uh, this half of the season this way because of, uh, when Jasper was born and Christina was doing the show and I had to binge watch three episodes, I think, for the uh, for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was the first time I had ever binge-watched. So it's nice to start this half of the season binge-watching and end this half of the season in a sort of a binge-watch. Yeah. But I really think they could have, uh, especially the, the first 15, 20 seconds of the second episode, the way they structured it, was basically a recap of what happened last week. Uh, so I think it was planned to be spread out, but then I guess they needed a week break for whatever between this show and uh, the big show. So they kind of stuck them together. But I, I really think they could have just put them uh, a week apart and it would have been fine. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because there's actually two weeks now in between uh, before the main show starts. So even if they'd oh. put episode 15 next week, there still would have been a week off for some reason. Um, but I think I'm, I'm glad they, they bulked them up on the same night. I think these episodes really went together. They really ran together in like sort of a single story or a, you know, they, they, they're, they worked well as one unit as a, and, and an end to the season two storyline more or less. So I think it worked out really well. And I think it was a good idea on AMC's part to run these ones together. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I can sort of see it both ways too. You know, the, the end of, of the first half where Travis, uh, kills, uh, the two bros in the, in the coffee shop there, (laughs) that would have been quite an ending. I must admit, um, I would have sat back and gone, oh my God, that was a pretty intense fight, pretty brutal scene. And now we got to wait, wait seven days to see what the fallout from this is. Are we going to talk about that scene or do we want to wait? No, we can talk about it. We can do stuff in any order here. Um, Because this is a two hour or two episodes back to back, I've got notes all over the place and I, I don't think we really need to stick to one, stick to the other. So we can, we can start wherever you want. All right, so that scene, that uh, that fight scene at the end, I thought was absolutely amazing. Yeah. It really kind of, uh, uh, I, I think when Travis kicked the shit out of them and killed them, I really think that that was probably the best thing Fear the Walking Dead has ever shown me. What is it, a, what is it so much about, or what about it is it that you liked so much? That is it just like well staged, well well done, or is it more of a character type thing? Because it had all of those elements. It's yeah, all of those elements. It was the visceral. Uh, Chris is dead. Yeah, like his son is dead, and I honestly believe that he is dead. It, this is not Chris underneath a uh, uh, a dumpster hiding out, waiting for uh, waiting to come back next season. I honestly believe he's dead. Yeah, they showed it in a flashback. And these two bros are unreliable narrators, but I don't think that they would actually, if they had just said it, I don't think uh, I would have believed that uh, Chris is dead, but they showed it. 
And so I'm pretty sure Chris is dead. Uh, so Travis, you know, f- f- hearing about the death of his son shortly after leaving him with these two assholes, uh, just went off. Like he just cracked and it was just a, uh, a drag out fist fight kind of thing. Uh, there was one chair to the back, uh, when, uh, one of the bros <laughs> hit Travis in the back with a chair. Yep. That was a little over the top for me, but I like the fact that, uh, it wasn't just, uh, Travis, uh, beating the living crap out of these two guys without taking a few knocks himself. So it was nice to see that he got this kind of, uh, he was getting knocked down too, yeah. but it was so brutal. And I just, I think the, uh, the character development there was, uh, huge in that he would do this, uh, kill the living and beat the living crap out of these two guys, as well as the, uh, the way the whole thing was staged. I just, I, I was kind of just in, I was in shock watching it going, holy crap, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> the only thing they, uh, they did was they shied away from him boot stomping that guy, one of the bros. They, yeah. uh, they just showed it from, uh a non-violent angle. Right. That was Brandon who he, uh, so he threw, he picked up Derek and threw him through the glass door towards the end. And then, yeah, he, Brandon was on the ground, you know, already in pretty rough shape, maybe unconscious. And uh, Travis just stomps on his head a couple of times. Like that's, I mean, that's horrifying really when you think about it. And then Madison's outside the door watching this happen, right? She's basically watching her husband break down into a violent killing machine and, and turn into a completely different man. He went berserk. He went totally berserk. Yeah. Yeah. He was so, berserk. He, you know, he had his, his strengths went up and uh, his uh, to hit rolls were a little higher and he could take on two, uh, two younger guys because uh, he totally went berserk. Right. And I mean, I was questioning at the time, is this, is this a smart move for him? Because there's two of them and they're younger and, you know, maybe stronger, maybe faster. Should he be doing this? But I think, yeah, the adrenaline took over, the berserker mode kicked in, and there was no chance. I mean, Derek and Brandon had no chance of fighting back at this point. Yeah. I mean, especially after just admitting that they killed this guy's son. Yeah. It was was brutal. It was violent. And uh, uh, I'm going to relay a bit of a story. So, you know, when he kicked him in the face, like yep. uh, we kind of uh, that kind of thing. Every time I see that, I call bullshit on it because uh, I know that when I was in high school, uh, it wasn't at my high school, but at another high school in the Sioux, uh, this happened in a hallway. Somebody was leaning down in their locker, and was uh, another guy came up to him and kicked him in the face while oh he was God. down there. Completely crushed his face in, had to have multiple surgeries to get it reconstructed. He was charged with uh, attempted murder. The guy that booted him was charged with attempted murder as an adult, even though he was only 17 at the time or 16 or something like that. And it is completely uh, a way to kill somebody. So when I see that in TV and movies, you kick him in the face and then uh, then the guy gets up and continues to fight. I just, it really irritates me because I remember this violent, hor- horrific thing that happened uh, that I heard about in uh, while I was in high school. So when this happened, I was thinking, well, that guy's dead, right? You, you can't, you don't recover from that as easily as they show in TV shows. So when he kicked him in the face and then boot stomped him, uh, in the head, I, I thought, yeah, that would actually work. That would actually kill somebody. <laughs> Not like, uh, well, you know, the, you remember when Daryl 
uh, was walking away from the zombies on the bridge and he stepped on the nerf head. Yes. And it just kind of squished. That's, you know, that's one thing. It's kind of funny. But this kind of thing, when you boot stomp somebody like that, mm-hmm. especially with like he was wearing work boots. Right. Like that's, that's a way to kill somebody for sure. Well, I never, I don't have that kind of experience, but I never really doubted it either. I mean, I can just imagine someone who's already, you know, in rough shape lying on the ground and yeah, you, you take your steel plated work boots and with the full force of your leg stomp on their head, I'm not surprised that's going to do some pretty severe damage. Yeah. And I get a little upset even thinking about it, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I, I, I love the whole scene too. And it made me, it just, it completely, uh, overwhelmed me like into this episode. It totally drew me into the episode. I completely forgot I was watching TV. I, I was completely immersed in this scene for its brutality and for everything about it. And then suddenly the episode ends. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're watching TV here. We're going into the next episode. So it just, it completely worked. I think they did a masterful job on that whole scene. Um, but the real question is, was Travis justified in killing these guys for what they did to his son? Well, it, that's a, that's a very, uh, slippery question. Of right? course like, it is. Which, at with what no point clear does answer. it become justified in our current society? Absolutely not. Uh-huh. Right. Like completely and unequivocally know that this is a, this is something that is, uh, uh, up to the justice system to meter out punishment. But in the zombie apocalypse, you know, really you can justify doing pretty much anything you want about, you know, self-survival. Oh no, this guy's, if I don't kill him, he's going to take my bowl. So you shoot him in the head so that you make sure that you have a bowl to eat from in about 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, it can be justified in one way or another. Being uh, justified to, to commit revenge on these two assholes, which Travis knows these guys are assholes and pretty much wants to kill them anyway. So is he justified? I think the only real answer is it doesn't matter. I guess, yeah, and and you're right. I mean, the the rules of our current society are out the window. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily argue for that 100% of the time because, you know, it's still murder. He still beat these guys until they were dead. Um but but you're right. He was walking away. Then he realized that there was an inconsistency in their story, came back, and they had to admit to actually killing Chris. And that's and that's when he went off. He went into a rage. And and you know, even even in the real world, sometimes people are not people are deemed not responsible for their actions when in a rage or in a fit of insanity, right? That's true. And I, I don't I'm, know if I necessarily agree with that kind of thing either, but I guess it all depends on the circumstances. Well, I mean, I don't, I'm not a lawyer. I don't want to get into that sort of legal discussion, but that, you know, insanity defense has been used successfully, if I'm not mistaken, in yeah, courts the Twinkie of law. defense has been used successfully. Which is? Uh, I think this guy, I don't even know the story, but the uh, he either committed a murder or some kind of violent crime, and his defense was, I had way too much sugar, and I was, uh, I was way, I, I'm not responsible for my actions because of how much sugar I had had in recently up until this point. And he got away with it. That sounds a little questionable to me, but hey, sugar can make people. I'm googling. Do crazy it. I'm googling it. The Twinkie defense. It was called. That's what it was. 
All right. Well, I don't know. Really quick about Twinkies. Um, While while you were off and I was recording with my wife, Twinkies came up at that point, too. And uh, we said that I had never had a Twinkie because you can't really get them here. But then apparently someone saw them in a store in Ontario. So I've been looking for them and I'm trying to find a Twinkie because I want to try a Twinkie. Nice. (laughs) Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, Later on in this episode, kind of along these lines, because we know Travis will never be the same after doing this. the conversation he had with Madison uh, in the hotel room about how now they have both killed to protect or, I guess, avenge their children. That's kind of what Travis was doing. Um, and, you know, she was saying that you've just become this, but I've kind of always been that this way. And, you know, when you think about it, Madison has done some pretty crazy things, too, in in the show. And she claims, you know, even before. Um, but. I liked that conversation because it, (laughs) in a weird way, it strengthened their relationship, right? It's, she said that, you know, in this world, both of us are going to have to do this kind of thing again, but I think we can face it if we're together. Right. Basically. And I liked the conversation. I liked sort of what it did to bring those two characters back together, even if it's kind of warped and twisted in a way. It is a little warped and twisted, but. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever <laughs> makes you happy, I guess. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, let's go back to the beginning. Um, Ophelia, Ophelia's back. She, I, I was totally wrong when I said, I think that's the last of Ophelia. We'll see this season. You were. Um, so she's been traveling. She's on her way. She hasn't crossed into the States yet when we first see her, but she does uh, later on in the episode. I thought her opening scene, which was the cold open of the episode, was quite cool. And I think Ophelia has had some of the best zombie fighting scenes of anybody on the show. It, w- it was really nice. You know, she swings that hammer pretty well. She gets the the claw into the hammer in, in a lot of heads. And then she demonstrated some pretty advanced zombie killing technique. And I think you know what I'm talking about. I do. (laughs) (laughs) She goes for the knees first, right? Well, absolutely. You got to disable before you uh, kill. That's right. She took out the knee. It fell down. That disables it. And she then goes for the head. So um, I think it was pretty cool. And I really, I'm glad we got to see her again, even though I, I didn't think we would. I never thought she'd be off the show. But I just thought they had her, you know, drive off towards the border and we'd pick up with her again next year. Yeah, she's got to meet up with the with the team. Like, they all have to meet up again, right? They can't just splinter off. No, you're right. So once she got into the States and she encountered that guy, and that was the last we saw of her, he starts shooting at her and then he looks to be some well-armed military-ish type guy who we don't know anything about. But is it safe to assume, Jason, that he is from this camp where we saw the helicopter or where Nick saw the helicopter taking off and landing? <sighs> I think that would be awfully convenient. Yeah. But maybe? Well, convenient maybe, but I mean, you just said they have to come back together. So does it they not- They do, but they can spread it out a little bit, not just uh, the beginning of the next season or like, hey, look, hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. Well, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say that these people are going to take Nick and um, Luciana captive, which they sort of did at the very end of the episode. They also have Ophelia, and they're going to throw them in a cell together and be like, hey, it's it's you again. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? And you're right. Maybe it's a little convenient and, and coincidental, but it seems like the thing 
that might happen. So I don't know. Um, what did you think when you saw or when Nick saw that helicopter? What was your first thought? <sighs> My first thought was that helicopter that crashed in the uh, The Walking Dead. Yeah, I had a similar thought, but it was more like, really, another helicopter? How come when everyone and when anyone sees an unexpected sign of civilization, it's a helicopter? Well, that's because they're easy to take off and land. You don't need a whole airport to, you know, to have a plane take off. So it's practical. It's, just, it, it's practical. It's vertical takeoff and landing. Uh, you know, you really uh, there's not a whole lot of Harrier jump jets probably around here, and there's <laughs> probably not. more people that know how to fly a helicopter. Uh, civilian-wise, then there are know how to fly a vertical takeoff and landing jet of some kind. I suppose. So so helicopter is just the most likely thing you would see. Yeah, or a taxi. I mean, taxis <laughs> are everywhere. I mean, you might encounter somebody driving a taxi around. See, I think this is my point. It's like, why is it always a helicopter <laughs> when there are so many more, I don't know, things that you, you might see? But then again, they need something that stands out, something that is exceptional, and I think a helicopter fits that bill. From a distance, right? Like you can encounter a, a truck driving around, and that's that's fine. It's like, hey, look, a couple of guys in a truck. But you you see a helicopter, uh, you think there's it's not just a, a guy in a helicopter, right? There's got to be a whole support system for that helicopter. Yeah, there's got to be mechanics. There's got to be fuel. There's got to be uh, well, that's pretty much it. Mechanics, fuel, helicopter, and a guy who knows how to fly it. So uh, that's a whole support system for that helicopter to take off and land. Whereas if you see a bus. It's just, well, okay, that's a guy driving a bus. <laughs> that's right. He he might have a garage somewhere. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just, I started thinking, you know, Rick saw a helicopter way back near the beginning, or at least thought he did. Then there was the uh, the helicopter that we saw around the time of the governor, right, and Merle. And, yep. and, and now in this show, they need a sign, and it's a helicopter, so... What would you think, what would be another equivalent of that? Something that conveys that level of uh, structure and civilization that is visible from a distance and would be obvious out of glance. No, you, you make an extremely good point. I mean, there would the, the distance visibility is the problem, right? If he was looking, if Nick was looking through those binoculars and he looked at um, at that base or whatever it is, it might not be obvious that anything is going on there unless there's something clearly striking like a helicopter taking off right or a rocket rocket would do it rocket would do it space shuttle would probably do it yeah holy shit there's a space shuttle taking <laughs> off right over there <laughs> that's a pretty big deal uh, and if you can see it with binoculars at a close distance you better duck because uh, you're in danger yeah that's true um what about like um some sort of fire like functioning smokestack that is like smoking uh or releasing smoke into the air would that be uh, striking enough I, I don't think so. No, because there's smoke everywhere. You see things burning. Things are on Shit fire. Just burns. You know, the, maybe the the power plant just kind of sat there for a long time, and then something collapsed and caught on fire, and now there's smoke, and it happens to be going out the chimney. All right. Well, I suppose helicopter it is. Then it's the only possible thing that would, you know, get your attention can, like that. I can think of another one. What would it some be? kind of uh, hotel sign coming on at night? <laughs> that would be another obvious uh, sign that there's some kind of civilization at a distance, and you should go check it out. Anything, any power, any large scale sign that requires power. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, good. So they they covered their bases in this show. They kind of did, yeah. <laughs> For beacons in the night. Um, 
well, I, I don't want to talk about them too much, but what do you think is going on at that base? Like, or, and what do you think the guys at the border are doing right at the end? Is that the same group that's living at this base with the helicopter? What are they doing? Are they protecting the border? Why would they just open fire on a group of people coming across? I don't know. Maybe yeah. they're protecting the U.S. from wrongful immigration. Yeah, it seems like that, that, the least of their problems at this point, but... Why would you open fire on a group of obvious uh, non-zombie entities? Well, that's the question. Is it obvious they're non-zombies? They're covered in gormaflage. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe know. they they They're pop- talking. You know, zombies yeah. don't talk. Hey, what are you shooting at? Stop shooting, we're human. Yeah. You- you know, or put their hands up and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? That's very true. I, I don't know. Um, I think there's, you know, a lot of unknowns about these guys at the end, obviously, but uh, I was sort of wondering, you know, why would they just open fire like that unless they really are concerned about, I mean, maybe it's just the size of the group. Maybe they think, oh my God, that's a big group. They're coming to challenge us or something like that, right? Maybe yeah. Maybe this base only has 20 guys on it and this was a group of 200 people and they got freaked out. They wanted to hit them before they knew what, was about to happen. Yeah, we have more bullets than people, so we should trade bullets for people. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll give them the bullets. Yep. And that way they'll have less people. <laughs> That's the way it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Luciana got shot. That was kind of our cliffhanger for the end of the season. We don't know if she's going to survive, but it looks like they've taken Nick and her hostage, essentially, whereas everybody else ran away or was killed or who knows how many of them they're going to grab. Uh, yep. But we got to wait to find out what happens there. Why would they shoot and then take hostages? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. This is what I. Th- this is why I'm thinking these guys aren't entirely. Uh, I don't know. Organized or don't quite have a plan. They're just shoot first, think later kind of attitude. Could be. I, I think whatever their motivations are, it's uh, it's hard to glean them from the, these actions. Yeah, exactly. We didn't we didn't really get very much with them. I do think though that the guy that uh, Ophelia encountered is part of the same group. So that's going to what is going to be what brings them back together. Uh yeah, you're probably right. Um all right, back up again. Um let's see. I uh, you know, I I wanted to talk a little bit more about Chris's death and uh how as you said it was shown in a flashback. Is that a first? For The Walking Dead, where a major character death was shown as a flashback? Yes, because we don't normally have flashbacks. In The in the Walking Dead, in the big show, how many flashbacks have we had? Three? Yeah, f- maybe a few more, but it's often back to before the the apocalypse, right? Yeah, so this is... Not always, though. Well, this, yeah, yeah <laughs> you're right. This is, I think, this is the first major character death in a flashback. Which is, which is interesting. And then when you think about it, it's... You know, the characters who it affects most then are not there to witness it. And that's that's a whole different emotional impact, right? Travis is not there to witness his son's death or or try to prevent it or whatever. And the last thing he said is, God damn you, Chris, as he drove away. And now yep. the guy's dead. So I just thought that was pretty interesting. And it just sort of, uh, it uh, factors into what this has done to Travis too, for sure. Oh he, yeah, he's he going to be there. a broken man after this. Oh, he's completely broke. Well, broken and and changed. And I think Madison at one point says that he's already broken. So we can't, uh, you know, we we want to uh, maybe go easy on him for a little while, sort of thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, 
Now, what about the scene when, uh, after they decide to exile Travis and, uh, we have a scene between Strand, Madison and Alicia and they're talking and, uh, Alicia is the one who says, you know, he can be exiled. We've got a, we can go with him. You know, we don't have to stay here and, and, and just send him out on his own. That's yeah. I think that's obvious. It was obvious to me what was going to happen. It was. Like, I knew that. I knew that there's no way like that they've already set up the uh, uh, exile uh, plot, right? Mm-hmm. Like they set that up. Like, this is what has to happen. Yep. And it's like, well, they're not just going to kick him out and everybody's going to be like, yes, yeah, see you later. It's going to be, uh, well, we'll all leave. Uh, and then later on, as soon as Strand started saying, well, I'm not so sure, I knew he wouldn't leave. Yeah. Um, I was sort of bummed that Strand didn't go with them. I mean, again, I don't think this is the last we'll see of Strand. Uh, I'm sure we'll, there'll be more, more to his story uh, because he is kind of a fan favorite and they don't just typically, you know, abandon a character like that. Um, but the whole conversation between them, I thought was really, really great. I thought there were three great performances in this scene between Strand, Madison and Alicia. And um, what, what I took out of it is how Strand doesn't really feel that strong a connection to them. You know, he's, he's much more interested in his own, safety uh, and he thinks going out is is going to compromise that and that's partly because you know he lost uh tom abigail and he's he's kind of a a broken man too he doesn't have a whole lot to uh to live for um but uh and then when when madison goes in to talk to travis too and she says this is what's going to happen we're kicking you out or they're kicking you out but we're going to come with you and of course he argues at first but she was very strict and stern with him and said, nope, this is, this is the way it is. I really like that too. And it kind of, it kind of almost exemplified a theme of the show for me. Yeah. With her being like, you know, we, we stick together, even though, uh, <laughs> you're obviously different and, uh, things have <laughs> hit the fan here a little bit. Yeah. It was what, it, what is it? Live together, die alone from lost. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what we, uh, we had here, you know, she says, she says that you found us and she doesn't say it in so many words, but kind of like that was, that was fate. And, you know, now this is what happens after you find us, we have to stick together despite all yes. this. So it's really good. Yeah. Yep. Really, really good. Um, we haven't talked about sort of the rest of the, the other side of the story here yet where uh, um, Nick and everybody over at the colony. So how about the scene in Alejandro's clinic. <laughs> this, my God, man. <laughs> so this show somehow makes things so gross and so yeah. disgusting. It is crazy. So you're talking about the eyeball thing. Well, yeah, I'm talking about the whole scene. So Nick is in there, they're talking, and this dude, first of all, gets his nose bit off. By a zombie. <laughs> Straight on nose bit right off. That was gross. A woman gets her fingers bit off right after, which, I mean, whatever. I, we've seen that. No big deal there. But still, it's still, still fingers. Fingers. Ouch. Yeah, exactly. And then Nick has to use his thumbs to puncture through the zombie's eyeballs into its brain and destroy it that way. So I have a problem with the zombie because if you're in a clinic where there's people that are sick and potentially going to die, pay the fuck attention to 
when they die. So that you don't have this situation where zombies all of a sudden, you're in a room, you're inside uh, inside a compound, inside a very safe place, and you've got these potential zombies all lying around. Pay attention. Just pay the fuck attention. And that, that annoyed me because, well, obviously they were distracted by some bullshit. And then, yeah, we had some very grossness. But the, I really don't think you can destroy somebody's brain by going through the eye sockets. Because I don't know if you've ever seen a skull. But there's skull behind the eyes, and there's little tiny holes for the optic nerves to to go through. To actually get at the brain that way is not an easy task. And I can tell you why, but it's gross. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this this scene was gross, man. And I I think you're right. I mean, if you look at a, a skull, the eyeballs kind of sit below the brain, right? The brain's a little higher. Well, that's also by, behind it, right? There's there's brain behind the eyes. The brain's not just above the uh, you know eyeballs and above. Okay. It's back back of your head too, right? It's like uh, there's a curved part to it. Okay, sure. So, but either way, there's 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 bone behind your eye socket mostly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I in the moment I wasn't thinking about that. I was practically covering my eyes and cringing at the disgustingness of what I was watching on screen. It's pretty gross. I was surprised that as soon as he uh, managed to kill that zombie or dispatch that zombie by sticking his thumbs through the eyes, that he didn't just pull his bloody hands back and wipe them on his face, because that just seems like (laughs) something Nick would do. Well, he did look horrified. Like, there's a quick shot of him falling back after removing his thumbs from the guy's eye sockets, and... I almost feel like I wasn't looking at Nick, but I was looking at um, Frank Delane just disgusted with what he just had to do or what he just witnessed, you know, but it worked. I don't think Nick would have been disgusted. He's been covering covering himself in gormouflage for a long time now. He's used to digging into bodies and pulling out gross things and smearing it all over his clothes and face and arms and hands and in his mouth. He probably licks his fingers off and it's (laughs) really gross, right? The fact that he did this, it's a zombie. It's not a living person. If he had done it to a living person, that's something else. But this was clearly a zombie at this point. I don't think, uh, I don't think Nick would have been terribly grossed out by this i'm not so sure man i think even nick would be grossed out i mean i know he chops guys up and smears it all over himself but there is a difference between cutting into someone's stomach and pulling out some some blood and patting yourself down with it to forcibly sticking your thumbs through the guy's eyeballs it was just so gross at some point you got to be desensitized to doing gross things it's a zombie apocalypse well i completely agree with that i but I, I think there's always something that will just get to you. And as a viewer, this got to me. I I nearly yeah. couldn't handle it. And I've never, like, I have never looked away watching The Walking Dead. Either show, really. But this one, fear makes me cringe more than the other show for some reason. <laughs> there is some stuff that's happened that just makes me want to turn away. And for some reason, it's sometimes it's even the little things. Like, I think I was saying before, when Ophelia gets uh, the hammer inside of a skull and then the way she pulls it out, there's just something really nasty about it. Cause I think about the skull breaking apart, which upsets me. And now Maybe we have the, Oh, sorry, go ahead. And, and now we have Nick using his thumbs to puncture it. I mean, this is just whoever came up with this is a sick and twisted individual who deserves <laughs> a great deal of praise <laughs> for coming up well, with yeah. the idea. Yeah. Um, and then, Oh, there was something else even 
maybe in this episode, but for some reason, this show gets me to cringe more than the main show or any other show I've seen. I think it has to do with the ratings. I think there's a, uh, there's two things going on here, uh, three. Uh, so you, since the ratings are lower on this show than there are on the uh, on the big show, maybe they feel like they can get away with more because the uh, the censor authorities won't be paying paying as much attention. And compounded with that, they want to increase the ratings, so they're kind of really pushing the envelope to try and get the ratings up a little bit higher. So then maybe the fact that the ratings are lower for this show than the big show, that they're uh, they're really pushing this kind of thing, pushing the envelope and uh, mm-hmm. not caring about the consequences. It's like, well, it's, you know, the show's not, you know, it's good, critically acclaimed, but it's not as good uh, ratings-wise as we were hoping, so we push the envelope, and if they go, no, you can't air this show anymore, we'll be like, ah, we'll spin up something else in a week or so, it'll be fine. <laughs> a bit of a cynical attitude, maybe, but it could be. I mean, it could be. I mean, 3.6 million people uh, is still quite quite a few, but... You know, I maybe they maybe they are testing the waters a but little bit. Their yard, their yardstick is different than than other shows, right? Their yardstick for this show is the same as the uh, as the big show. They're just like, we, well, we have this, you know, this ratings enthusiasm for this Walking Dead property, and we want everything to be as uh, high a ratings as we can possibly get. So, if this show's not doing as uh, as good as the other one, like it's still doing good, but you know, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. uh, we need to push the envelope here. So, what can we do? Do we make it? Uh, do we have bigger explosions? No. Do we? Uh, what do we do? Make it grosser? Right. Sure, we can make it grosser. How gross do you want to be? I want to be incredibly <laughs> gross. But, you know, when you do some boot stomping of heads, pull back just a little bit. They're like, yeah, fine, we can do that. That actually is an interesting point. Like, why not show the boot stomping of the head when they show this kind of thing? Maybe because it's violence against a, an infected instead of a living human. Uh, could be. That could be the argument. I don't know. I don't know. But it's maybe it has to do with the number of seconds that grossness is on the screen. Because I remember uh, watching a documentary on Gilligan's Island. And uh, I'm going to bring this home. Don't worry. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) tons of uh, horrific gore on Gilligan's Island, I'm sure. It wasn't horrific gore. It had to do with Marianne's belly button. Oh. They couldn't show Marianne's belly button for more than half a second at a time. But but you could show like a half a second 25 times an episode. That's right. So they would nice. I would film her walking in semi profile. So you'd be as she would take a step, you'd see belly button, no belly button, belly button, no belly button, belly button, no <laughs> belly button. And the whole thing was like, Oh my god, you could see your belly button. But really, if you counted the number of seconds with belly button and the number of seconds without belly button, it was about equal. So the sensors went, uh, that's okay. Well, Boy, our belly bu- belly buttons sure were offensive back then. I or guess. they had her wear the hip huggers that just had this little part that went up and just over her belly button. <laughs> Go back and watch Gilligan's Island for Marianne specifically because it's very interesting. In and it's also proven one. that uh, P- uh, they did some uh, surveys, and like eighty-five to ninety percent of people prefer Marianne to Ginger. Sure, I mean I could see that. Uh, yeah, totally. Don Wells, I'm all over it. <laughs> You even know her real name. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> of course you do. Um, well, belly button. Boy, that's, that's, look how far we've come, Jason. Now we can, yeah. you know, belly button was too much back then. Now we have Game of Thrones, which is nothing but nudity and swearing. And, well, and you this know, show. Gilligan's Island was on a regular television show, regular television broadcast. Uh-huh. You know, you can't compare Game of Thrones with broadcast oh, television. That's true. I still think we've come a long way from belly button. We have. 
Anyways. We really have. <laughs> That's right. Um, do you ever think that what fear, though, is doing with this gore is a little too much? Or do you not worry too about much? it? Too much? No. No? No, not until they kill a baby. When they kill a baby, it's too much. Yeah, we've established that line. They can't kill babies. They can kill yes. all the children they want. And in fact, there was another uh, child death. We didn't see it, to be fair. We didn't really see it, but there was dead child on screen in this episode. Yep. So they haven't shied away from that at all, but I guess killing babies would be too much. That's our line. It would be. Yeah. All right. We have more to talk about in this episode, but uh, I want to take a short break right now. And uh, as I said, we'll be back to talk more about this big double size season finale of Fear the Walking Dead. Stay with us. Oh, love, you were a sickly child And how the wind knocked you down Put on your spurs Swagger around in the desperate kingdom of love. If you'd like to help out the Talking Dead podcast, you can do so in a couple of great ways. The first of which is to visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead. Uh, I say it every week, but you can make a small monthly pledge there that uh, really helps out with the podcast. And there are a couple of or a few different uh, levels of support um, of which you can choose. And they come with their own unique rewards, like the ability to make a shout out on the show or receive a Talking Dead podcast sticker, which is super exciting. So visit us on Patreon to check that out. That's patreon.com slash the talking dead. If that's not your thing, then you can also use our Amazon link, which is super easy. Visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and choose the, ch uh, the country of your choice to direct you right into the Amazon store that is most appropriate for you. When you do your shopping, a tiny little cut of your purchase comes back to us. It doesn't cost you an extra penny, and we have no idea what you're purchasing. So it's a great and, a great and easy way to help support the show. And all the money that comes back to us just goes into all the costs associated with doing this here podcast, like hosting and equipment and bandwidth and all that kind of stuff that we need. So we appreciate everyone who helps out. Um, whether on Patreon or Amazon. Thanks to everyone. We appreciate it a great deal. You'll stand proud Face upheld And I'll follow you Into heaven or hell and I'll become as a girl in the desperate kingdom of love. All right, we are back and we've got more to talk about um, on the big two hour season finale of Fear the Walking Dead. So, Jason, let's talk a little bit more about Alejandro. His whole world fell apart in this episode. He ended up getting bit in that scene 
in his uh, in his clinic. Um, yep. So that you know that scene was bad for a lot of people. Dude lost his nose. Woman lost some fingers. Alejandro got bit in the arm, and we find out pretty soon that of course um, he was he is not actually immune, as we all kind of suspected and basically knew. We basically knew that he got bit by the only non-zombie in that pit of despair. That's right. He he admits to being bitten by the addict boy that he was trying to save. But what he did is when deciding to become a leader of this colony is he took the Batman approach, which is that he sort of represented an idea that people needed to believe in um, by saying I'm immune and I can lead you and have faith and so on and so on. So, But he was actually effective, whereas Batman, you know, he's been fighting uh, crime in Gotham for how long now? Gotham's still a shithole. <laughs> well, it is in New Jersey. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. That's that's mean. I've been to New Jersey. It's very nice. <laughs> I think New Jersey would be really nice. I've never been. Oh, uh, you probably I've, have. I've flown over it. <laughs> Haven't you ever flown into, um, what's the, oh, what's the airport in New Jersey outside Manhattan? Oh, crap. I don't know. Anyways, you know, <laughs> I've been to Walker Stalker twice in New Jersey. It's great. Cool. Anyways, um... So Alejandro, he gets bitten, he is slowly dying, and he wants to hang on to this colony, this group of people. Even though he's not going to be there anymore, he thinks the best thing they can do is stay there and fight back against the drug guys, the gang that is coming to kill them, which is a terrible idea. Absolutely terrible. I mean, having uh, walls against the zombie horde is one thing because, you know, you put up, uh, look at at, uh, Morgan, you put up a shopping cart full of uh, spikes that works against zombies. That does not really work against armed intruders with, you know, semi-automatic or automatic weapons. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work at all. And these people are basically peaceful-ish people, right? They... Um, they don't have a lot of weapons. They've been living here relatively untouched for a number of weeks. And he seems to think that when these guys show up with all kinds of weapons, with the intention of taking them over, and as we know, basically just killing them, because, you know, when Marco was talking to Nick, he said, you're all going to die. We're going to show up and we're going to kill you. We know where you are. So if you don't want to die, you better leave. Right. And uh, that's a nice thing to do. Well, it's, it's I mean, very rarely do you, you know, commit to a siege against a fortified position and give them the opportunity to just fuck off. <laughs> it's like almost never, know, actually. I'm, I'm going there. You guys should go. You really should just leave. Hit, hit the road. Because it's a smart thing to do. It, it is. So, I, I, yeah, I was, I was on Nick's side the whole time here. What about Luciana, though? She, I mean, she has Nick telling her the whole time, we got to go. If we, if you can't convince everyone to go, you and me, let's just leave. Like he wants to bug out of there. Right. But she doesn't want to go. She seems to be more, even after, um, uh, Alejandro admits to her, you know, that he's a fraud. She wants to stay because as Nick said, you know, she's not staying for the place. She's staying for the people, but isn't the best thing to do to convince them to like follow them and leave. And I know they do in the end, but it takes a lot of, convincing and it takes it basically takes nick finding somewhere else for them to go which he has no idea he knows nothing about other than he sees a helicopter um and then he comes back and he says we gotta leave well her argument is completely idiotic if she's staying for the people the people are portable if she was staying for the place the place is not portable so Uh you should stay if you're just staying for the people take all the people and go someplace else you still got the people yeah 
And I'm pretty sure Nick even says that at some point. He's walking behind her and he says, but I like you can see him shake his hands and be like, but I don't get it. They're all going to die anyways. <laughs> right. So why not take our chances somewhere out on the road or somewhere else? You know, it's yeah. it was sort of funny. Now, having said that, I did really enjoy the scene where Alejandro is delivering his final speech to all the people. When he's dying and she uh, tells him, you got to come out and lie to them one more time. He comes out and he says to them, um, the evil of man is coming to get us. This is the same evil that the world is purging. And while he's delivering this speech to them, we're contrasted with scenes of Nick on his way out, basically leaving by himself. This is, of course, before he comes back. But we get Nick climbing up on the bus, looking down at the big crowd of zombies and to me the juxtaposition of these two scenes almost questioned sort of what is more dangerous the evil alejandro is talking about the evil of man as he says or the infected which you know is a sort of different kind of of evil different kind of danger and i i liked how the show did that they kind of contrasted the two here while these characters are contemplating the same you know thoughts in their minds yeah that was nice they did a good job um but I also think when Alejandro is standing there talking, this is the moment when Luciana realizes that they're totally fucked. <laughs> there's there's a shot, you know, of her face where he's saying these things and the look on her face just said to me, oh, she finally realizes that there's there's no hope and they've they've got to do something here. So uh, I, th- I, I really enjoyed that scene. I thought the show did a good job of, of portraying this kind of theme, but I never was on board with Alejandro's ideas. No, I think I completely wholeheartedly agree with you. Sorry, it's not really interesting, but I just kind of agree with you. <laughs> That's fine. A <laughs> um, couple other things, though. Uh, when there was a scene where he says, uh, Alejandro says to Lucy, you are my daughter. He wasn't being literal, was he? No, he was. This is his family. This is his adopted family. They're all uh, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters. Okay. Aunts and uncles. That's what I thought, but it it came out really like you're my daughter, so you know you got to side with me on this. But you're right; they're just they're a they're a family that is trying to survive together. It makes sense. So, what about um, the actual gang assault on this colony, Jason? I had a few problems with it, even though overall I thought it was a pretty good scene, but mostly because it gave Alejandro his kind of heroes you know, resolution? Well, there's a number of things. One, even though they decided to assault the compound, again, they went through the zombie horde. Like, really, there's got to be another way in or out of this place that you can pry off a couple of pieces of wood and get in without having to go through all of the zombies. Like, seriously, is that really the only way in? And it's like the other side, like all three other sides of this place uh, surrounded by... Uh, you know, mile high cliffs of some kind, impenetrable walls of some kind. In, yes, uh, maybe it's a, a forest of uh, rodents of unusual size and uh, <laughs> random fire pits. <laughs> maybe that would be pretty uh, pretty good deterrent. I would say. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> yeah, except for you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Who, uh, who's his Pirate name? Pete. Pirate Pete. <laughs> now the guy from uh, Princess Bride. The references uh, from the Princess Bride, the pit uh, or the uh, the forest with rodents of unusual size. Oh, see, I didn't even pick up on that. Oh, go watch the Princess Bride again. No, I and don't the, want to. Why not? That's a whole other conversation, Jason. 
I've I've moved past that movie. I no longer make, enjoy it. You're making me cry. Sorry. Don't cry. There's okay, the soundtrack is crap, but other than that, there's parts of that movie that are just absolute genius. There anyway, are two movies from my childhood that I loved at the time, but no longer think are any good. One is The Princess Bride. Two is The Neverending Story. Okay, Never Ending Story, I understand. Okay. I never liked that movie even when I saw it the first time. Oh, I did. But anyways. But Princess Bride, man, Friggin uh, figure it out. Just okay. go watch it 10 more times and you'll be fine. And I'll get back into it? All right, fine. Anyways, continue. Uh, never mind. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> okay, if there is a forest with rodents of unusual size, fucking that guy <laughs> from The Princess Bride, uh, he was a pirate. Okay, whatever. He's guarding the thing. Is that what you're saying? Oh, the internet's going to yell at me if I don't figure this out. No, right. it's fine. Anyway, they went through that forest with the rodents of unusual size and made it through. So that that kind of thing doesn't protect them from that character that for some reason my brain is drawing a complete blank on and I apologize. That's fine. You can look it up. My problem with the gang's attack was one, as you said, they went through the zombie horde to get in and it felt way too easy for them to just pry off a board of the fence, walk through, shoot a few <laughs> zombies and then get into the bus. Like they, it looked There's no lock on the bus. No, I know that, but they just basically strolled through and there was a lot of those guys at least it seemed it didn't seem like it at the time, but once they were in the town, there was a lot of them. But it just felt like they walked through and they got in the bus. It even looked like they were completely surrounded at one point, but no, there was no trouble. They just kind of got in. So it felt way too easy for them to get into the the colony through the zombies. And then later, after Alejandro moves the bus and he lets the horde in and the gang has to deal with them, it felt like they were totally unprepared to deal with a herd that is coming at them at this point when they just casually strolled through. Oh no, there's a few zombies coming through a minor gap in a fence in a single direction. Whatever shall we do? I mean, run away the other way. But as you said, maybe there are, you know, impenetrable walls surrounding the rest of it. So they really were stuck in there and had nowhere to go. But I don't know. It just, it felt too easy for them to first get through and then to be so unprepared. Dread Pirate Roberts. Okay, good. I knew you'd look it up. <laughs> um, that being said, uh, I I did like the Alejandro stuff. You know, he stayed back. He was the captain going down with the ship. Basically, after everyone left, he was the one that stayed behind to execute the plan and get all these guys killed. Um, he gets in the bus. He drives it forward and, and, and lets the zombies through. I was a little pr- surprised to see that the bus was still able to start and move. That was probably, I was thinking that, but I was thinking that if they planned this, they probably gassed it up and made sure it ran. Otherwise, they would have come up with a different plan. Uh, yes, that's right. They they would have made sure. That's That does make a lot of sense. And when you think about it, I sort of thought to myself, well, okay, if it's only been six weeks, I mean, a car can sit there for six weeks and still start up when you when you want it to. Yeah. I well, mean, they probably would have siphoned off the gas or the diesel to use somewhere else. Okay, maybe, but put gas back in and yeah. in theory it would go. Give it an oil change, check the <laughs> right. tire pressure, <laughs> yeah. uh, make sure everything's running. Uh, it goes into gear, starts up. Yeah. Otherwise, come up with a different plan. Right. So they must have tested all these things is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That was part of the prep of the plan. Okay, so fine. I, I can live with that. But overall, I thought the gang was pretty half-assed 
in this and uh, a little bit anticlimactic after all the buildup of this gang attack on the colony. They sort of walk in and are, you know, immediately dispatched. But I guess everyone just left and there was nothing for them to do. Oh, and when they stood around in a circle shooting their guns in the air, I was like, come on. Really? (laughs) Celebration. The celebratory shooting. It just felt dumb. Oh, that's fine. They do that on uh, Cinco de Mayo, don't they? I don't know. Shoot guns into the air? Sure. But there's not, you're not making all that noise to attract zombies, which you would be here. You're in a fortress. You're fine. Oh, yeah. We're fine. No problem. (laughs) I thought it was a perfectly appropriate celebration, other than the wasting of bullets, which seemed a little, but, you know, if they had lots of bullets and all they wanted their bullets for was this particular thing, and they didn't use nearly as many bullets as they had originally planned, maybe it was a a budgetary thing. If we don't use all our bullets on uh, this particular uh, invasion, in the next invasion, uh, they won't give us as many bullets as we request because they say, well, you didn't need them last time, so you don't need them this time. So maybe it was a budgetary thing. So if you don't use the entire budget, it goes down. That's right. Your budget will decrease. Okay, well... Uh, maybe that's what it was. I don't know. But it didn't seem like there was anybody back at the abandoned gang warehouse to be keeping track of the bullet budget because we had Madison, Alicia and Travis go there, um, after they, you know, fled the hotel. And this scene was really the one scene I did not understand in the whole episode. I don't know (laughs) if... They found an address on the piece of paper. Is that what happened? Yes. So they, they go back there. Now, the, the, the idea is Madison goes back there because this is where she, you know, heard these people talking about Nick, yeah, um, her son, or, or at least she thinks she did. So they go back there and as they're walking in, it's really sort of ham fisted. Madison is saying things out loud like, it's the people I saw. Those are the ones who knew Nick. <laughs> you know, these yeah. she might think these things, but she needs to communicate this to uh, Travis and Alicia, I guess, because they didn't know what, what they were doing there. But it yeah. just felt it felt kind of dumb to me. It was a Nancy Drew story. Like, oh, these are the people. <gasps> I found a clue. That's what right. What is it? It's an address. <laughs> we should go there. Yeah. Well, Travis was the one who found the address in their in their pocket. And like, really, <laughs> they'd have the address. Address. You know, of this. What if they colony? need to mail something? That's what right. What if they wanted to send a FedEx? <laughs> yeah. What are they going to do? They need to make sure they know where to send it. It was it was sort of yeah, dumb. Address. But the thing that I didn't understand was Alicia's reaction to this scene. And I think I have I think I have a theory, but it felt like something was missing. So. Travis and uh, Madison walk in and they're searching the bodies. Alicia hangs back for a minute and then she shows up at the the hanging curtain and she goes, Mom, what are you doing? Like she's very upset and concerned. And then it cuts, you know, cuts to commercial. And I felt like, well, wait a minute. Why was she so upset? What's going on here? It it sort of felt like something was missing from that scene. Like they had to cut it and we just didn't see it. So I didn't understand what Alicia was getting at there. And the only thing I can think of is maybe she's questioning Madison's desire to go find Nick again. Is that it? It could be. Like she, That's probably it. You know, she's... They've already had this conversation about, you know, Nick is the one he chose to leave and stuff like that. And Madison and Alicia have come to terms with their relationship. We had that conversation, you know, in another episode. Um, 
but it just felt weird to me this this whole little bit right here and i'm not sure if you had any other insight into it cuz i certainly didn't really get what was going on no i i think my brain just glossed over it but yeah it didn't make any sense to me either i'm like i usually when i see crap like this i think uh, all will be revealed in the fullness of time i just let it go and wait for it to be explained to me and it wasn't mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> usually when things in the show aren't explained to me Uh, explained nice and clearly to me, you do it, which is really nice. And uh, (laughs) failing that, our listeners do it, which is great. So I guess we're in a position where, help us out here, let us know what the hell was going on in this particular scene. Yeah, it's. I I think maybe it's just Alicia going, oh, great, we're looking for Nick again, and that's your single focus. But that wasn't clear, I don't think, in the episode. Obviously, they they needed some way for these characters to be sent towards the colony so that they could go there and talk to dying Alejandro and she could actually confirm 100% that Nick was there and get on the right track to finding him. So they needed that. It was kind of like, you know, A leads to B leads to C sort of thing. But I didn't understand Alicia's reaction in that moment unless it was just, I can't believe you're focused on Nick again. Yeah, it was very Nancy Drew. A little bit, yeah. Um, So... So that was the only bit uh, I thought was a bit confusing. Um, And then earlier on in the episode, there was one more bit that I didn't like. And it was when uh, Madison jumping to conclusions again. She seems to do that a lot. Earlier on, I should have mentioned this sooner, but when she's talking to uh, Brandon and Derek uh, before the whole Travis fight incident, when -hmm. they're still in the parking garage, she's talking to them and... You know, they're saying, I don't, they're talking about, you know, traveling with their buddy and they don't say his name. They don't say his name is Chris, but they say things like, I didn't know he have his, he had his license or he didn't have his license who grows up in LA and doesn't have a license. And immediately Madison knows it's Chris. Yeah. That was just, I knew that you would uh, bring that up and have a problem with it because it's the same bullshit as, uh, as before. She's like, yeah. Oh, somebody with hair. Oh my God. Is the hair Brown? That's right. That's my son. <laughs> it's got to be. I don't. Who else is it going to be? Yeah, I don't think this was as bad as that. The Nick thing, because you know she did say, uh, "Who grows up in L.A.?" At least it was. I mean, L.A. is a big city, but at least it was. You know, Travis had told her, "I left him with two guys," and stuff like that. So she had that to go on, but she figured out that it was Chris based on. Virtually no information, yeah, I think. And then she immediately goes to talk to Strand, and she says they are the guys Travis left Chris with, Derek and Brandon. So what I, I wanted to go back and verify and check if Travis used their names in the episode before. Unfortunately, I didn't have a chance. If he did, then fair enough. She knows their names. She heard the names. She put two and two together. But, well, it, but I don't think he did. I don't think Travis said the names of the guys. I'm sure he groused about the whole situation at length off camera. Like while they were lying in bed and talking, I'm sure he didn't, uh, Travis did not stop talking about this situation and eventually came up with the names. And she, for some reason, didn't just let them go into the wind. You know, when somebody's talking at you for five, six hours about a single topic, Uh you, you tend to gloss over the, you know, the salient details. So... I'm I'm surprised that she retained their actual names in this conversation because well, I'm sure he just talked about it for a long time. Right. Maybe what you're saying though is in the, in the previous episode when um 
when he or when we see what we go back and we see, you know, what happened with Travis and Chris, it's framed in a way that he's telling her the story, right? Because he's back yes. at the hotel already. So we're just supposed to assume that he used their names during the recounting of that story. At some point. Yeah. At some point. And so she does know the names. So it's within the realm of possibility. And then this scene sort of makes more sense. Yes. Okay. I, yeah. I assume that she had known the names previously. Why she would remember them, I don't know. Maybe she's an ex excellent, attentive listener, which good on her because I don't have that quite good a skill <laughs> well, to retain these details. Yeah. But see, if that's the case, I'm actually more okay with it. Like it's, I find it believable that she could have retained the names. I just wish they'd given us that a little bit more. Like just have Travis say one of the names even. It's the same thing you said about the Nick thing. If that guy had just said, um, there's this gringo Nick. Right. That's all yeah. we would have needed for Travis to be like, oh, my God, that must be my Nick, you know, and you can believe that. So if if she'd heard one of these names previous, then fine. Um, but the way it kind of came off in this episode, it was sort of like her figuring it out based on nothing again and immediately going to uh, to Strand. But she says, <laughs> these are the guys Travis left Chris with Derek and Brandon. What are the chances of that? And I was thinking to myself, <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question that all the viewers are asking right now, people. What are the chances that you'd figure this out? So, um, yeah, so. God, man, is there any is there anything else about these this big double shot that you want to bring up? All right, let's go to my notes here. Oh, there was uh, the, when they were talking about the uh, uh, taking of the compound. Uh -huh. The guys at the uh, at the grocery store. Uh, one of the uh, one of the phrases they used was, uh, "It would be like stealing candy from a baby." Yeah. Okay. As 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 a father of a newborn son, uh, who the hell is giving candy to babies? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it's a thing people say though. I know, but seriously, who gives candy to babies? I don't you think shouldn't it, give candy to babies. I don't think anyone should, no. No. Right. Bad idea. Um I thought Luciana looked amazing while sleeping. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> Near the beginning. Well, if this was I thought to myself, if this was real life, she'd be drooling, she wouldn't be all perfectly made up. She just looked really good while asleep, but I guess that's a TV and movie thing. People always look good when they're asleep. Yeah, the eyes just a little bit open, their mouth hanging wide open, a big thing of drool coming, sliding down their face, and they're snoring like a, a banshee. <laughs> Somebody would have been farting too much all night, you know, stuff like that. It's yeah. just, you know, the world just isn't that isn't that beautiful. Yeah, you know, reality. That's right. Um, what about, uh, I did think it was funny when, when Nick is packing up to leave. Did you notice what he was packing? Was it Twinkies? Books. He was putting book after book <laughs> into his backpack. He would reach, the the scene opens, he's putting books in the backpack. They, they're talking, he walks over to a shelf. He takes five or six books off the shelf, goes and packs them. I'm like, what are you doing packing all those books? Maybe the books are hollowed out and full of heroin. Yeah, okay, maybe. I mean, it is no. Nick. It's, <laughs> but it doesn't make any sense otherwise. I mean, he needs a lot of reading material. Well, sometimes if you're in the middle of a book and you, you want to bring it with you because you want to see how it ends. And, you know, I've started a book and then got interested in another, another book and I'm halfway through. I'm probably halfway through like 15 or 20 books at this point in my life, some of which I probably have forgotten about and would need to start over. But, you know, if I, uh, I, I don't have YouTube in the zombie apocalypse, I don't have Reddit anymore, I might have to read an actual damn book. So I, I'll bring them with me if I need to. I guess. It seemed like he was packing a lot of books. I thought that was strange. Um, speaking of gross stuff, how about the scene where 
they have to cut a section of Oscar's skull out. <sighs> that kind of pissed me off. Okay, so the section they cut out was like a three-inch hole. It was giant, like, yeah. Holy friggin' shit. And I've I've cut a three-inch hole in wood to try and put in uh, those grommet holes things when you're, you drill into a desk and to put cables through. Yep. Like, I have one of those things on a handheld drill and a couple of things. One, I never know what I'm about to get all the way through... Uh, the wood, mm-hmm. like t- to try and get down. And first, the second thing is I have to push really hard. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times during the last little bit, I'll push too hard and the bottom part of the wood will like splinter off. Yeah. And it, my arm will go all the way through. You do <laughs> not want to do that with a skull. Uh, no. <laughs> That's probably what killed him, frankly. Yeah, because, well, probably. And those things have a, uh, when you put them on, they have a, they're not just this flat, round thing that drills in nice and and, and neatly, they have uh, an actual real drill bit that drills a pilot hole in front of it that's an extra inch and a half well, it's, below it, the uh, right. the circular thing. So not only are they, to get all the way through the skull, they have to drill an extra inch and a half into the brain. Uh, well, if, they're, if you're using a typical hole drilling saw, yeah. I'm pretty sure there are tools designed for this sort of medical tools designed for it, which they did not yes. have. No, and they're not handheld because I've also drilled holes uh, for these grommet things, and even for the uh, the boom stand for the mic that I'm talking on right now, I drilled into the uh, into the desk to mount it, and I did not drill a straight hole straight down. It is slightly at an angle. Oh my! So God. <laughs> no wonder that guy died. Oh, well, exactly. Like, there's no way that guy could survive that kind of drilling into his skull no. with a fucking power tools. But I was, I, I completely agree with everything you're saying. However, I was mostly grossed out about watching a typical good old utility knife that you'd use to cut carpet, cutting through the dude's scalp. I thought that was rather nicely done. Like I thought it was, uh, it was obviously CGI, but I thought it was, it was well done. It looked real to me. It was pretty gross. Well, that's what I'm saying. It looked real and it was gross. And then when they're peeling it back, like, dude, did you really need to show us that? You're about to show us. You've already showed the knife going through the skin and you're about to show us the drill going into his skull bone. Do we need to see the skin being peeled back? I'm really gross about skin being peeled back. You got to push the envelope if you want to get those ratings. I'm telling you. Damn, that must be what they're doing. I don't know. Uh, so that was gross. Um, I have another question in the hotel room scene after that, yeah. when they come to kill Travis, because it's, he's, you know, it, everything is his fault. I mean, he did, you know, uh, close Oscar's head in the door. So it's kind of his fault. Yeah. But in that scene, when everything goes to shit, suddenly Strand is there with the gun. I don't know where Strand came from. Was he always in the room or... He's- was he out on the balcony? Because he was standing by the balcony door with the gun, and I'm not sure he was always there. I think maybe he was hiding on the balcony while this was going down. Uh, I was a little confused by Maybe it. he just kind of hangs out in that hotel room. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, he, I don't think he was there to start the altercation, but then he was the one who grabs the gun at the end and sort of diffuses it and sends everyone away. Uh, Maybe he's like Eugene. He just kind of hangs out and watches people have sex. <laughs> yeah. Or in this case, just sleep. He was on the, but what, like, what was he doing on, on the balcony? I have no idea. It was weird. So I felt like he came out of nowhere, but I guess it was lucky he was there because if not, then everyone was just fighting and there was a gun being thrown around. 
Maybe uh, he's an angel. And he just shows up wherever he's needed. He showed up where they needed a, a guy with a boat. He was just there. Yeah. Hey, I am here. This guy looks like he needs a little bit of help. I got a boat. You got any friends? <laughs> okay. He's he's a guy who's there when you need him. He's an, Yeah, he's an angel. He's an angel from heaven directly to help them out. He'll show up. He doesn't matter if he's going to say, if he says, I'm staying at the hotel, screw you, uh, you know, go about your business. He will show up again to to save the day. All right. Let's, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I don't think they're done with him. I think he will be on season three, even though it kind of doesn't feel like it, but I don't think we'd lose Strand at this point. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess finally, this is the last we'll see of the, of the warehouse gang, right? Marco's group, they're all dead. There's no... Oh yeah, they're all zombies. There's, there's no coming back. Yeah, we saw him as a zombie. So yeah. I think that's it. Okay, well... Two-hour season finale, I thought overall it was a really good season finale. It felt like there was closure to a whole bunch of plot lines that we had going for uh, season two. And nothing burned down, which I'm kind of sad about. Damn it, they didn't burn down. Now, there's still a chance they can burn down the hotel next year, but you're right. It was Strand is going to leave, and he's like, screw you guys, I'm burning down the hotel, and that's the... Uh, that's how we get his storyline of how he leaves the hotel. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But you're right. It was a season finale and nothing was on fire, right? Yeah. I was a little disappointed. The, uh, yeah, the nothing burned down. Well, that is, that is a little disappointing, but I did feel good about this finale in that it, as I said, closed off a bunch of plot lines, moved characters along and, um, but at the same time left us with some questions and a little bit of a, cliffhanger with what's going to happen with uh, Nick and Luciana and all those people. So uh, I think they did a great job with this finale. I think they wrapped up the season really, really nicely. And one thing I'm looking forward to in the next season is I just, uh, I just realized going through, I was j- jumping around footage as we were talking and uh, the guy that Ophelia runs into is uh, Dayton Kelly, who he was in Deadwood and he was in Sons of Anarchy. And I really like this actor and I'm excited about him joining the cast. Yeah, okay. I've never heard of the guy. Cause... Oh, yeah, he's uh, he's fantastic. He was in, uh, yeah, I loved him in Deadwood, and then he was in Sons of Anarchy, which I rather enjoyed. I really liked his character in Sons of Anarchy. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about him joining the cast. Cool. That's exciting. I haven't seen either of those shows, really, so I don't know who he is. But if you watch Deadwood and then skip Sons of Anarchy, because it's pretty much irrelevant. Okay, well, maybe I'll do that. Um, I, yeah, I, if he's if he's a known actor, like I, I, I didn't recognize him, but if he's a known actor with a bunch of credits, then chances are he is going to be maybe a more important part of the show. Now, sometimes they bring on known actors just to kill them off. We've seen that a number of times on, on the main show. Uh, but that's interesting. That's good. And he's good. You like him, so that's that's a good I, sign. I do. He was he had a voice in Left 4 Dead 2. He was in Law & Order. Uh, there's all, yeah, his credits are very, very long. <laughs> Is there anybody that hasn't been on a version of Law and Order? I think pretty much everyone. Even me in a, in some way. There was a, there was a character on uh, Law and Order. I think it was, uh, season 19 or something. Uh, the character's <laughs> name was Jason Miles. Well, there you go. You See? know, my actual name was, uh, one of the character's names. So I'm, I was kind of on there as well. That is exciting. All right, man. Well, <laughs> well I wasn't the bad guy though. Oh, that's it would have been bad. better if I would have been the bad guy. You were just Jason guy. Miles' attorney at law who was in the background of the scene. It was some, some character witness kind of thing. Got it. But that was fun. That is fun. All uh, right. Well, that's cool. Uh, it's been on, if it's been on for that many years, that's why everyone has been in it, the show, Law and Order. Yeah, really. Okay. Uh, so we're not going to do listener feedback this 
this podcast, but we are going to come back next week and do an all listener feedback show about the season finale and maybe just fear the walking dead season two in general. So uh, keep sending in your feedback. We will definitely get as much of it on the air as we can. Uh, but because this was a big double shot, I figured there'd be lots to talk about here. So we'd, we'd probably be going a little bit longer. So that'll come next, uh, next week. Um, the exact day is yet to be determined because next Monday is Thanksgiving for us in Canada. So we may not record the Monday night, but we'll record at some point and do the feedback. But um, you should keep sending it in. And how would you do that, you may ask? Well, you can do it in a number of ways. Uh, first off is to visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com and click on Send Voicemail, which will allow you to record a message right into your computer or phone, I think, and it'll send us the audio file. That's a great way to do it. You can send emails to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. That's a really great way to do it as well. And of course, you can visit us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheTalkingDead and Twitter at Talking Dead. And sometimes I take some feedback from both of those sources as well, depending on uh, depending on the mood I'm in, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> and speaking of Facebook, uh, listener Jessica from Toronto earlier this week made up an ad for Gormaflage Body Wash for us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's awesome. So I posted that on, on our Facebook page. Jason, you should check that out. But I think it's really funny and well done. And it uh, it's, it's hilarious. So go to our Facebook page and check that out. Thanks, Jessica, for doing that. That's really fun. All right. Uh, we will be back next week. As I said, until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.